welcome everybody to Fur Road this morning. We're glad you've joined us. We are excited to have a special treat today. Uh, we have a special guest speaker, Andrew Trotter, will be sharing with us. And uh, many of you have uh, seen him around here in the last year and a half. He's been helping with our youth and uh, doing a great job with that, helping Jordan. And so um, we appreciate him and all that he's done here. He's a sophomore at Ozark Christian College. He's a preaching major. Uh, he's from Kansas City. All right now he's on the soccer team at, at Ozark, and uh, he has 12 siblings. So uh, there's quite a story behind that, and uh, if you never talked to Andrew, he's an awesome guy. And so let's give a fur road welcome to Andrew Trotter. Don't judge me. How many times have you heard someone say that? Are, are we as Christians really not supposed to judge anyone? Because after all, doesn't the Bible say not to judge? Many times we hear this phrase, or even say it. Uh, I usually say it when my friend sees me eating my ninth cookie in the cafeteria. And I say, hey, don't, don't judge me. Or whenever they run into me at Starbucks and I'm drinking my fourth or fifth cup of coffee for the day, I'm like, hey, don't judge me. It's been a really long week. The world is so concerned about people judging them. I googled the words, don't judge me, and I came up uh, with a list of quotes that people often say. They say things like, don't judge me for my choices when you don't understand my reasons. Don't be so quick to judge me when you only see what I choose to show you. Don't judge what you don't understand. Don't judge my story for the chapter you've just walked in on. And many more of these types of quotes I found. And when I read these, I see a lot of hurt coming from them. A lot of people have been hurt from people assuming something about them when they don't understand the whole story. So what are we as Christians supposed to do? What does the Bible say about judging. So we've been going through the best sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, um, we talked about what it means to not be anxious about anything and giving that to God. And a really cool illustration of writing it on the paper and lighting it on fire, which was really cool. Giving it to God. And today, we're going to study a passage that is oftentimes confused is oftentimes maybe taken out of context, or sometimes people understand uh, just a little bit about it. So if you would, turn to your Bibles or your devices to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. And my plan this morning is to go through these passages in three different stages. We're going to look to see what Jesus has commanded us to do in verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to look to see how Jesus gives us this application for this command. And then lastly, we're going to see what happens when you get a negative response from the application that he's just given us. So, Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, 
you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So we're going to start with verses 1 and 2, the command that Jesus gives us. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. First, I want to talk about what this verse does not mean. This verse does not mean that we should never make any sort of careful assessments on anyone ever. This verse does not mean that we should never make any sort of careful assessments of anyone ever. If Christians were never allowed to judge, then we would have to take being a judicial court judge off the list of careers that we could have. So pretend that you, are, uh, you just graduated high school and you're a Christian. You pull out uh, a list of careers uh, that you shouldn't do because you're a Christian. And, and at the top, um, it's probably like drug dealing. Probably shouldn't go into the career of drug dealing. That'd probably be bad. Um, or, uh, you know, also on the list is um, slave trading. Probably not the best uh, career path to choose. Burglary, I think the Bible says something about not stealing. Uh, and then being a judge. Man, I can't, can't go get my law degree. Man, that is, that is unfortunate. No, that's not what this passage is saying. And if that were the case, then um, if Simon Cowell ever became a Christian, we would lose our favorite X-Factor judge, and that would be, that'd be really sad. We actually see throughout Scripture that God is telling us to judge certain people with certain criteria. So, in the same sermon that Jesus gives, just a couple passages after a, our own, Jesus says this concerning false prophets. He says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruits, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Thus, we are to judge false prophets by the fruits that they produce, or by their actions. Are their actions godly? And then we can discern if they are from God. 1 Timothy 3. Paul is writing to Timothy on how to select church leaders. He says this, Now, an overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. He must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. See, when choosing our leaders in our church, we must test or make a judgment call by their actions. In Proverbs 20.11, says, Even a child is known by his doing. Even a child is known by the actions that he does. I believe that the type of judging 
that Jesus is talking about is to pronounce judgment on someone for a certain sin. I like how the New Living Translation reads our verses. It says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. And the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. How you pronounce the judgment of sins on other people is how you will be judged for your sins. I find it interesting that Jesus starts talking about judging people towards the end of his sermon. He's given his audience a list of do's and do nots, such as do not commit adultery or even lust at someone in your heart. Do not hate your brother because you know, that's like the same as murdering them in your heart. Do not tell everyone that you're fasting and make a big deal about it. Do not store your treasures on earth, but store your treasures in heaven. And I can see how it would be really easy for a member in the audience to apply all these things to someone else rather than you. He talks about, uh, do not hate your brother. And you're like, oh man, I know, I know that coworker who, who hates the boss, you know. And I mean, Jesus said if he hates him, it's like, it's like murdering him. So he that coworker should probably figure that out. That's, that's not good. Or everyone knows that, that one Pharisee who just loves to tell everyone that they're fasting. You know they do it twice a week. And if you didn't know it, well, you'll find out because the next day they'll be like, man, whew, that fast yesterday, it was, it was hard, but hey, glory to God, you know? Or you know that guy down the street, um, the Jones, who you're not trying to keep up with? He's a... Uh, He's, you know, he's spending a lot of uh, treasures here on earth. I think he should focus a little bit more about storing up treasures in heaven. And he just bought that new uh, open top Mustang, um, jet black, has uh, one horsepower to it. He bought it at the corral. Uh, glad to see you guys are awake this morning. But now Jesus is telling you not to have unfair standards of someone. Look at your own heart before you judge the actions of another person. Paul in the book of Romans says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. God will hold you to those same standards. Because you who pass judgment do the same thing. You also sin and make some of the same mistakes. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. God is all-knowing. God is just. He will make the right call. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? God will hold you to the same standard you are setting for other people. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Have you ever wondered why God hasn't judged or condemned all the evil people in the world yet? Have you ever wondered why uh, the powerful who get away with murdering innocent fathers and mothers and children, why does God not condemn them yet? Or what about the powerful people who thrive in the human trafficking world? Why does God not judge them or condemn them right now? Or the people who cheat the poor and steal what little money 
they have? Or why does not God judge the people who right now uh, cheat on their spouses? Or people who gossip behind their friends' backs or are disrespectful to their bosses or friends or coworkers? Or the students who um, look over at their neighbor's test and cheat? Or whenever, how come God doesn't judge the people who just say little white lies every now and then? It's because he is patient and kind, hoping that his patience and kindness will lead to repentance. So the same reason God hasn't judged the really bad people is the same reason he hasn't judged you yet, because he is kind and patient. So when you judge someone for their actions, or more accurately, make assumptions from what a person does, be kind and patient. Because you do not know their heart, and the one who does know their heart is kind and patient with them, just as he is with you. So this is the command that Jesus gives us. When you assess someone by their actions, be kind and fair. Because how you judge someone for their sins is how you will be judged. So now we're going to turn and look at the application of this. Verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The Jews love mental pictures, and this is a funny one. Someone who has something little in their eye, and someone with a two-by-four sticking out of their head, trying to help them get this little thing out. I find it interesting that Jesus uses this illustration, though. Because if you remember, before Jesus started his ministry, Jesus was a carpenter. And I'm sure at some point in time, uh, he probably got a little piece of sawdust or fine wood in his eye. And I've noticed it's interesting, even if it's something really small gets in your eye, you almost always have to stop what you're doing and try to get it out because it hurts and it's annoying and you can't do anything else until you remove that little piece of speck. I remember one time in sixth grade, I was... Uh, playing soccer for my school, and um, it, we were, it was before game, and we were warming up, and I was chasing after, um, chasing right behind someone, and I tripped and fell, and uh, cut open right above my eye, and I fell down, and I, I stood up, and the blood uh, ran into my eye, and, uh, and it hurt, hurt worse more than the cut, but as any brave and strong sixth grade boy did, I got up, and I started crying, and I ran to my mom. And I ran to my mom, and, and she's a nurse, and she happened to have latex gloves in her car. And she looked at me, and like the blood ran into my eye and like made a string. But my mom eventually got the, got the string out of my eye. But imagine if I went to my mom, and I said, Mom, you know, I, I got this thing in my eye. And she said, okay, hold on. And she puts her gloves on, and she turns in a two-by-four, just smacks me over the head. And I, I'm like, oh, my goodness. But I, I stand up kind of dazed, and she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me try again. Smacks me the other way. I'm like, Mom, you're not helping anything. You're just making things worse. That's the same idea here. This is a hyperbolic metaphor to prove a point, meaning that Jesus uses an exaggerated illustration to show what he is trying to say. When you see a person sinning, how do you view them? When someone is struggling with a speck in their eye, so to speak, 
a, a sin that needs to be taken care of, how should we respond? Because even if someone has something small in their eye, it still hurts and needs to be taken care of. So when you judge someone for sinning, when you see their actions and know that it should be taken care of and removed from them, what are we to do? Before we can help them with their sin, we have to do a self-assessment first. We should always view our sin as the bigger problem. Paul even said, I am the worst of sinners. And you're thinking, really, Paul? Like, you wrote half the New Testament. How are, how are you the worst of sinners? And maybe he's applying this verse, and he knows that his sin is a, is a bigger deal to him than anyone else's sin. Many times, we have this tendency to view people under a microscope. We, we put them under the microscope so we can see every little sin, every little problem that they have. But instead of looking into a microscope, we should be looking into a mirror. We should be looking into a mirror and see where we can clean up ourselves first. We should make sure we are clean and make sure our hearts are pure. David said this in Psalm 51, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And later on he says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. David understood that with a clean heart, he could go on to help people with their sins. But not before he had the clean heart. We can and we should help our brothers and sisters with sin, but we have to make sure that our hearts are pure before we do so. Otherwise, Jesus calls us a hypocrite. Now, a hypocrite, you may know this, in ancient times uh, had to do with acting. An actor, if he played more than one character, would put a mask on, and then he would take it off and put a different mask on to change characters. This last winter, uh, I was a hypocrite. I was in um, Ozark's play, It's a Wonderful Life. I know some of you guys went and saw that, so shout out to you guys for being there. But I played two different parts. I was a prestigious mayor in one, and then I was a loyal, hardworking Salvation Army man in another. And between scenes, I would have to run downstairs, I would change my, my shirt and my hat and my tie, and then I'd have to run back upstairs and become a different person. That's what we do when we try to help someone with a sin that we ourselves are struggling with. We must first take the mask off and take care of our sin. We must take our costume off, be who we really are, deal with our sin before we can help them with their sin. So if we fairly and accurately assess that someone is sinning, we should come to them with our masks off and clean heart. This is how we remove the two-by-four from our own eye in order to help them remove the piece of sawdust in theirs. So the command that Jesus said is when you assess someone by their actions, be kind and fair. Because how you judge someone for their sin is how you will be judged. And in the application, make sure your heart is pure and your mask is off before you help someone with their sin. Now we're going to talk about verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Many scholars believe that verse 6 uh, may, or not, may or may not actually be a part of verses 1 through 5. Many think it should be uh, its own section. Maybe Jesus was uh, telling a proverb. When you read your Bible, there's different headings, and some people think that 
verse 6 should maybe have its own heading. But regardless of whether it belongs to our passages or not, we can still take application from it, or we can still learn from it. Uh, I believe, and many commentators do also, that the, uh, the things that are holy the, and the pearls, uh, the things that are sacred, uh, refer to the gospel or to the good news. So when you genuinely care about a coworker or friend uh, in school or your neighbor, and you know that they are living a life in sin without Jesus, so you make a fair assessment of them, you see their fruits and you know that they are not of God, and maybe they'll even admit it, they are open that they do not follow or believe in a God, and you want to call them out of their life of sin because we know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But sometimes they may become hostile towards you. They may, may hate you for it. So what are, what are we supposed to do? Well, Jesus says you, should, you shouldn't continue to share the good news with them. And Jesus told his disciples this also in Matthew 10, 14. He's sending his disciples off into the different cities to spread the good news. And he says, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave them at home and shake your dust off your feet when you leave. See, they have already said no to the good news. And it is between them and God now. So, so what can you do? You don't want to leave them, but they're also you know, being hostile and attacking you. Well, Jesus said earlier to pray for your enemies, right? I once heard it said that heavy rain runs off hard-baked earth. Sometimes the soil just isn't ready yet. So pray for their hearts that it will be softened to receive the rain be able to receive the good news, and in turn, they will turn away from their sin. So then, you can help them remove that piece of wood that's lodged in their eyes. And hopefully and prayerfully, the patience and kindness of God will lead them to repentance. So this week, Jesus gives us a command as we go forward from here. When you assess someone by their actions, be kind and fair. Because how you judge someone for their sin is how you will be judged. And the application. This week, when you do fairly judge someone and you see that their life is in sin right now, make sure that your heart is pure, that your mask is off before you help them with their sin. And if you do try to help remove them from sin and they become hostile to you, uh, let them stay there and pray that the patience of God and the kindness of God will lead them to repentance. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, being kind and patient with um, all the sins in our lives. Thank you for um, letting us uh, with pure hearts go and uh, help others in sin. I pray that this week that we would not uh, be unfairly a judging of other people, but that we would see people as you see them. That we would see people as precious in your sight. In your son's name I pray. Amen.